Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay, and I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by Simon Bykowski. Hello. And by a very happy Ian Cheeseman. Absolutely. You all right? Not too bad, Ian. Um... Some City fans are getting sick of their trips down to Wembley, but I'm sure you enjoyed the one over the weekend, the treble complete, the domestic treble. Did you think it would be as easy as it was in the end? Or do you think that's just credit to this fantastic City side that were here and they've overcome another hurdle and made it look like plain sailing? I must admit, once the Premier League title had been clinched, um, I had no doubt, although I didn't want to say it because I don't like to tempt fate or sound as if I'm being presumptuous, but I did always feel that winning the F FA Cup then would become relatively a formality. I didn't expect it to be 6-0, but I certainly expected them to to beat Watford, not because of just assuming things, but because I could you could tell, anybody could tell that Pep and the players had sort of unfinished business as it were. You know, they didn't feel as if just winning the league was enough. They wanted to complete the treble. They wanted to show that they all the negative publicity that was surrounding them at that time about FFP, which obviously Obviously, continuing on wasn't going to affect them. There was a lot of debate about um, the way that the media reacted to Liverpool finishing second in the league rather than City winning it. Not all of them, but one or two. And I think they really went to Wembley with a sort of point to prove. So that determination allied to the great ability that they've got left me in no doubt that they would win that FA Cup. I didn't really expect it to be six. Obviously, there was a save by Edison early on in that game. Some might argue could have turned out differently then but a bit like the Brighton game I just felt that if that had gone in City would have then as they did anyway step up a gear and would have still gone on and won it so I never had any doubt at all but it was a it was a joyous day for me personally as a fan as well as being a journalist it felt as if all that tension in the latter stages of the Premier League title race had gone and everybody was in a good party mood everybody was relaxed and whilst everybody who was of a blue persuasion still wanted to win the FA Cup I think a lot went there with the attitude of if we don't win the FA Cup today unlikely as that is this isn't the same as it was in the title race and I think probably the players felt a little bit of that too they looked a lot more relaxed than they had been in the last few league games and uh, so it all proved to be so great end to the season yeah it looked like a weight was off the shoulders didn't it and I guess Sai you enjoyed the luxury of watching it from home like the commoners that me and Ash are you got to uh, <laughs> relax to a drink and watch it and yes. enjoy it from a neutral point of view and did you, do you agree with Ian do you think or maybe do you think it's hindsight that it was always going to be comfortable or did you have doubts well I mean we, we passed the point a long time ago where you wouldn't back City to win a game um, and all these in the title running it was like oh Jitters Burnley United Leicester and you're saying well they're going to win because it's what they do um, I was a bit more sort of not nervous but I, once the game started I thought Watford started really well and that chance uh, at nil-nil could have made things differently. I think a lot has been 
a lot was written around the game about how it signalled kind of a death in football and sort of showed how far the two clubs apart and you know Watford knew they had to take that chance and if they didn't it was going to be over and I kind of think that's like that's always been the case in football for as as long as I can remember anyway where like well this city side have battered Watford before anyway in the league I don't remember remember that being the death of English football you know when maybe this I was going to say Cardiff and United but it's a bad example because of the (laughs) final day but you know when Huddersfield come up against Liverpool or Tottenham they know that they have to take any chance they'll get or because if they don't they're likely they're likely going to lose so it it was one of those moments I thought Watford played very well at nil-nil and it was a well-worked goal to break the deadlock I thought Watford played very well at 2-0 after half time when it kind of it became a bit more end-to-end but once City get in the groove they are pretty impossible to stop yeah, and Ian, I guess for you, it's been been a while since you saw City win the FA Cup, considering all the glory they've had these, this last decade as well. Uh, for you as a City fan, where does the FA Cup rank amongst the trophies for you, is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Premier League's the, the number one that most people would say, but the FA Cup is, is pretty special. I mean, I remember the pain in my own head anyway. <laughs> in na- 1981, when City lost that replay against Tottenham, uh, I just missed out on 69 when City beat Leicester. So, 80 one was the first chance I'd had in the flesh to see City win the FA Cup and the fact that there was the Tommy Hutchinson own goal and then obviously it was both teams led in the replay and it was it, I felt that was a bit heartbreaking and it was a long gap then from 81 till 2011 when City got back to a final and that was a that was tremendous I mean to beat United in the semi-final and then beat Stoke in the final and beating United in that semi felt to me very much like the turning point of the old United dominance into City showing that they were they were now a force to be reckoned with um, so we'd only had that one victory uh, for City in in 2011 there was the the missed opportunity in 2013 which was slightly different because even the night before I remember I was I was on the air with Radio Manchester at the time and the rumours were coming through that Mancini was going to go and there definitely seemed an unsettled camp and I also can't deny that I have a little bit of affection towards Wigan Athletic so as much as I'm a City fan and City reporter and wanted the Blues to win that because it was against Wigan a team who I actually have as a say some affection for it, it sort of nullified the pain and Roberto Martinez great manager always loved the way his teams play football I was pleased for him and I was pleased for some of the people there so even though it was it was heartbreaking having seen City win it in 2011 that took it away but now there's been that gap from 2011 to 2019 which is nothing really eight years and when I think back to the days when City never won anything eight years without an FA Cup is nothing is it but it was nice to, to see them win the FA Cup again um, and it sort of now finally means that all those memories of, of 81 are sort of gone now and it's <laughs> nice part quashed. of the character building you know yeah. <laughs> and a trophy that meant a lot to Pep Guardiola as well Sai it was the only English domestic trophy he hadn't won uh, I saw lots of fans criticise opposition fans say well City had the easiest running it was possible to have to get to the final but Pep still respected the trophy in every round played a strong side yeah, a reward for it. Yeah, and you know, playing such strong sides potentially cost them in other competitions. I mean, can can you you're singular? It's not cost them in any other competition. No, but for instance, maybe if they hadn't played such strong 
teams against Rotherham and Burton and Burnley in January, they might not have lost at Newcastle at the end of January. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, it, it, it's all nonsense because you know if they lose, if they don't lose at Newcastle, maybe they don't win fourteen games in a row. But yeah, you know he did. Uh, you can only beat what is in front of you, and the the teams in third to sixth seem to spend much of the last few months of the season going out of their way not to win football games so you can't really do I was looking because I hadn't um, seen a, Watford's run to the final and that wasn't particularly challenging I remember either. watching them against Woking and they yeah, scraped through that one yeah, they that good and and Newcastle Crystal Palace yeah. and Wolves um, so so yeah but who who's going to remember that in, in the end who's going to care I think someone got up you know United's 99 because, you know, tit for tat and all that. United's opponents in 99 and they weren't all great. Juventus but, was sixth, maybe into a fourth, weren't they? Yeah. Serie, yeah. But you think of them now as being, oh, they beat Juventus and Inter, that's fantastic. They won the but, treble, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, no one no one cares. Um, no one cares, that's the answer, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, City won a trophy and, and nobody else did. So that... I'll, I'll certainly admit from a City perspective that as I saw the draws in the, the different cup competitions, because it happened in the League Cup too, that they did tend to have the more fortunate draws. However, there have been a lot of away draws that City have suffered in recent years, so they were maybe due a little bit of luck. I, and I remember year... Stu Brennan did that piece, didn't they? I can't remember the exact maths of it. Oh, but yeah. it was that ridiculous run that City had in cup competitions that was always away ties you would get great yeah better odds of Donald Trump being the first person to land on Mars I think than City getting so many people hoping that though Premier League or top (laughs) six championship sides away from home Um, it was a remarkable run but But, you know it happens doesn't it you need every team needs luck yeah and also I would say that sometimes lower league teams can give City more more trouble and more of a game than Premier League teams because what City's record against the top six this season have they lost any uh, no can't think of any Chelsea. Chelsea so three points off Chelsea four points off Liverpool and six points six off Spurs off Spurs and United. United and Arsenal yeah. so if they come up against them in the cup what Exactly. And it doesn't make a difference if you play, no offence to them, but what happens if City are playing a lower half Prem team? Who cares anyway? They've got, mm. they're going to get a, a bigger winning margin maybe than against a, a plucky lower league side anyway. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. Like I said, who cares? Yeah. It's but, done. And every good side will have luck in their tremendous seasons. Like I said, the yeah. treble, the Arsenal Invincibles, there's going to be certain games, certain moments which easily could have gone the other way. Yeah. But I'd like to think Watford fans will remember their performance and their day out rather than the final scoreline because that's kind of and fans immaterial to them I mean, yeah. uh, obviously if you're watching it on TV I'm sure you've still got the sense of when the Watford fans quite late on in the game yeah. suddenly started waving the flags around and the City fans all around the stadium were applauding um, Some I've seen some suggestions that that was patronising or whatever well, respect, all I can it? say is it, <laughs> it didn't feel like that to me it felt like mutual respect and um, one of my mates uh, said to me that's the sort of thing City have done in years gone by you know when when they've been being hammered by somebody. Yeah. Um, I think 
I remember the, the home game against Arsenal. I think it was 5-0 that City lost. And I remember City fans that day uh, doing that type of thing, you know, standing up and applauding and supporting their team. And that, that's what they've always done. So I, I think that was just mutual respect. And I thought the Watford fans were great. Yeah, it felt felt like a good cup final. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it, at least. Uh, Ian, Sai, for you, where does this domestic treble rank? Because there's so few teams that even win the double these days. That's such a rarity. City have retained the Premier League. No one's done that for the decade. Do you feel that City are getting the credit for what they've actually achieved this season? Because it's such a monumentous achievement. No, I don't. I think uh, City fans obviously give them credit. Um, but I don't think necess- necessarily the sort of worldwide way of looking at it... Um, would would give them the credit it deserves. Everything these days is focused on the Champions League. City themselves want to win the Champions League. A lot of the speeches uh, at the parade afterwards from people like Bernardo Silva was, you know, we know we've got to win the Champions League. That's how we're going to be judged. So they've not hidden away from it. You know, they've said that publicly. Um, but if somebody had said, you know, even 10 years ago that, that, you know, a team would win a domestic treble when the Champions League wasn't the sort of fixation that everybody has now in, in terms of football, you would have said it, it's impossible, it can't be done. Um, and City have done it and they've done it an, in absolute style. Now they move on. So now they've got to beat this. Um, I can't see them, but probably said this last year, yeah, I mean, beating this yeah. season because it's just been amazing. They play great football. They've won four trophies, formidable, if you want to include the, the community shield, which I'm not a big fan of including I, that. I, I personally would it. include it. Well, fair uh, enough. It's tit for tat, but I think it's a trophy. City will play Liverpool in, in August, and, and if they lose that, does that mean they've lost the major trophy? So it's, a, be... it's a funny one, though, isn't it? Because it's, it's much more last revered in sort of Spain and Germany. You can see absolutely why Guardiola counts it as a trophy, yeah. but just in England, its reputation is. It's just unprecedented to have the four trophies, and we've mm. seen people having photographs with with the four trophies, Pep and Arteta and whatnot, and and to have them all uh, at the same time, all with City. I, whether that'll ever happen again, I don't know, but. Uh, Obviously, the whole world's going to start talking, or at least most of the world will start talking about the Champions League final once we get into to next week, and then people dismiss what City have done. But I think it's an amazing achievement, and as a, as a lifelong blue, to see my team win all four domestic trophies is just beyond words. So I guess it's a pointless question, but we'll ask it anyway. This season beats last season for you then, Ian? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, the last season was was the first one where we've seen from Christmas onwards almost celebration match to match because you knew they were going to win the league. Didn't want to say it, but I knew it. And I, I just sat there at games thinking, this is fantastic and it's lovely. And when will they, I wonder what minute they'll get the second goal in. <laughs> it did feel like that last year. This year we didn't have that. So this season, yes, it was nip and tuck and now it's all over with. You sort of think, yep, this was better. Sometimes it didn't feel like that in the last three or four games when there was that nerves, nervous tension and everything. But when you look back on it now and think two trips to Wembley, two trophies at Wembley, the Premier League on the last day of the season and it all started with the Community Shield. And don't forget, they did get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and only went out on the tightest of VAR decisions. And I believe if, if that decision had gone their way, they'd now be in the final playing Liverpool. But then there's another bit of me thinking, thank goodness they're not there playing Liverpool. <laughs> that was, those were Simon's words, but I can't, 
I can't actually make a strong argument against that. Not because of the football, by the way. <laughs> no, no, not because of the football, else. but just being in Madrid, City against Liverpool. Do they sell Copper Burger Madrid? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't. I think. I think that the, there's such a toxic mm. um, relationship really, between yeah. the fans at the moment. Not that I don't mean City fans have done anything wrong, but there is a toxic feeling that I, it would have been one if City had been in Madrid that I would have been hiding away somewhere, not going mixing as much with fans, just try and sneak into the stadium somewhere, watch it and then get out of the city, win, lose or draw. Well, it wouldn't have been a draw, but win or lose because it just would have been something I wouldn't have enjoyed. Not the atmosphere. No, it's been the. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how this rivalry pans out for the next couple of years or so because it does seem like it's going to be the top of English football. Uh, si, Ian mentioned it before that the, what made City's spectacular title win so good was not only the fact that they did best Liverpool, but that they've done it with all the uh, controversy kicking on in the background, FFP and all that. It seems like a lot of people are out to get City. They seem like it's maybe an easy dig to have at them at the moment. Do you think that the FFP allegations, and I guess we'll see how this sort of pans out, do you think that will take the gloss off this City sign and what's being achieved? I mean, it it, it, it shouldn't. Um, I think if... They are found guilty by UEFA. It will obviously raise raise questions about their achievements. Um, City have been very straight and confident throughout that they don't believe they are guilty of these things. So I think even if a verdict comes out from UEFA with a punishment, I think that will be challenged and City will fight very, very hard to clear their name because... I mean, a few years ago, it seemed like City were up for a fight and then they sort of calmed down and reached a settlement with UEFA and it all seemed to be over and they were fined millions of pounds and given squad reduction and and that seemed to be the end of it. But um, FFB has has returned and could bite them. Um, But I think it's it's become sort of shorthand, say they're under, they've got four four investigations and, and there are, but... I don't think them potentially acting sort of out of line to sign a 16 year old has made much difference in them winning the treble or not and it's sort of it's just easy for detractors to say they've lost they've only got this way because of money and, and I think it does and because they've not played by the same rules as everyone else, and as if 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 everyone else played by those those rules, everyone else would be unbeaten in the season. Yeah, yeah, I think it. it, I think that would be unfair and sort of not give credit to all the other things that that have happened because it's true that you know City have got everything set up perfectly, but even so, I mean they were. If Chelsea or Leicester take better penalties in the League Cup then they don't win that. If they don't get that offside against Swansea, then maybe they they don't win that or whatever. If uh, something happens, any if company doesn't score his wonder goal against Leicester, then maybe they don't win the league. So it's such fine margins in, in sport and even as well-resourced as City are, I don't think it's sort of taken away the competition as summer's been You could actually said. sign in what you, you could write a piece of paper out here and go, right, who are the best 11 players? Who would be your dream team? The best 11 in the world if, if resources were unlimited. And then put that team in the Premier League 
obviously there might be one or two of them that would be City <laughs> players to be fair but but and, maybe and not maybe not yeah but City I think City the way that they've been playing under Pep which is not about money which is about the way he's, he sets his team up and philosophy and all the rest of it City's team might well beat that team because I don't believe that this 11 are the best 11 there might be one or two individuals that could be contenders for that best 11 It'd actually be quite an interesting exercise to do to write down completely without any bias or whatever your best 11 your best team that you would select, select well even if you football. did that world 11 the FIFA Pro World 11 that they announce every year and just drafted that in. It's usually dominant by Spanish players, isn't it? But, but you know, man for man. Yeah. I mean, I've often debated this with fans anyway. You know, even when City were not what they are now, uh, you know, and you go, well, you know, we can beat them. Well, who who would you have from that team? People did it before the Watford game. You know, how many of the Watford team would get in a combined team? The answer, none. At the moment, I would argue. You know, no United player would get in yeah, a combined but team. It, but it's, it's difficult because, it's about- say, go back two years, go, even last season. So, David De Gea has been one of the best keepers the Premier League has seen. And last season was still arguably the best keeper in the league. But would he get in City's team ahead of Edison? No way. Not because he's not better keeper necessarily but he doesn't suit he doesn't suit City's team as much as Edison does and that sort of you saw Guardiola after the game with Sterling you know getting his message across after a 6-0 win and and that's that's what it's all about that collective desire to be better that has driven them on in Formula One you can build the best machine and nobody can beat it it's not like that with human beings and football you can build a very good team you can buy yourself because money does play a part you can buy yourself a top six in the Premier League you can buy yourself a a top three in La Liga or whatever you can definitely do that but you can't guarantee you're going to win a thing just on the money you've spent no you've got to invest it and see that idea but I guess from your point of view Ian how would you feel if these allegations were to be proven true would you feel let down by the club or I don't know because it depends what what is what is proven if if and when something is proven I'd want to look at what what it said I mean I'm not I don't believe that the the principle of FFP and that's not what you're asking because you, what you're saying basically is there's a speed limit of 30 miles an hour did they go above it and me saying well I don't agree there should be a 30 mile an hour speed limit <laughs> that's the that's the you know I'm I'm playing that other argument in principle I don't agree with the way that FFP has been created or is being used and you know I, I know that this is principally a UEFA thing but it's also an FA thing it does apply to other competitions and when you look at what's happening to Bolton to to Berry to Oldham Athletic in just three of the teams in our area and what we've seen historically with Portsmouth and Leeds and other teams how can FFP have any great meet meaning it's obviously been created to try to stop uh, newbies coming to the top table in world football that's what it's about um, and the, the principle of stopping somebody investing in their own club I, I, I find completely amazing and obviously you look at teams like Bayern Munich who are part owned by Adidas who are also one of their sponsors and you think well what, what's Where's the difference the interest, yeah. what, what is the difference in that um However, if they're found guilty of something that I'm not aware of, because I'm not party to what you know the intricacies of this uh, these accusations are, and it's something then that I go, 
oh, I didn't know that and that is wrong, then, then I'll have a different view on it. But at this moment in time, my view is, no, it's not going to tarnish anything. However, if I'm able to step back at it, which, uh, which hopefully I can do as a journalist and think, well, would this tarnish City's success? You look at what happened with Lance Armstrong, for example, in the Tour de France. He was revered as one of the greatest cyclists of all time. And now nobody thinks of that because of, of, of that. Now, it's a completely different thing. That is physical doping as, a, as, you know, as opposed to, the, to what's been going on uh, allegedly with City. Um, but it has tarnished it. And I don't want, I'm desperate not to want City's reputation to have been tarnished by, by whatever comes out of these allegations. So I nervously wait on the sidelines. But equally, I feel very confident that what City is saying is, is substantiated. And I don't think they'd be as bullish as they are being if they didn't know that they hadn't done anything um, substantially wrong. So... Long answer, but that, that, that's that's how I feel looking from the sidelines. I, I think as well with these investigations, obviously a, a one-year Champions League ban, which is being talked about as a possible consequence if they've found guilty to breach FFP, that would be extremely damaging for the club to not be, be able to take part in a competition that they're trying to win. But it certainly feels at the minute like there's almost sort of just more the bigger cloud around the club revolves around the ownership and City are just seen as this sort of as playing an unfair game even if they're cleared of of any of those things it it seems at the minute like popular perception is is cast and Mm. it's going to be hard to undo that I think the fact is that if you look back in football history um, Glossop North End uh, were owned by the family who then went on to own Arsenal and at the time Glossop North End were, were actually pretty successful because they were being helped by a rich benefactor yeah you know Chelsea were helped by Abramovich a rich benefactor Salford City you can even go, yeah Salford City you can <laughs> but, even go back to the Edwards family with United years ago relatively a lot smaller yeah. but still yeah it's all always been there in football you can't get away from the fact that, that it's just because it's City are at the very game. top end of it that it gets yeah. illuminated but, and amplified beyond what's going on far below or anywhere and like that's it because nobody likes winners no you've always got to be you've always got to have something against them always haven't you There's yeah you know easy when you're growing up you don't like the team that that it's always dominating. wins and you think oh they always get the decisions they get the luck they've got all the money um, so people who who win are always going to come under Scrutiny. City weren't under this scrutiny when they were massively underperforming with a team that probably cost more under Pellegrini. Exactly. Because when a team starts to drop off, that's when people start to almost feel sorry for them. People, I sense, start to feel sorry for United, Liverpool, when they, when the results start to drop and they start going back down to 6th, 7th in the league. Killing sorry for United. Now, that's a concept <laughs> I, I can't understand. <laughs> oh, well, you'll, you'd miss that derby match, surely, if they uh, went down. No, no, I'd be, fine. I'd be fine with no derbies. <laughs> <laughs> you'd find a new one, wouldn't you? I'm not sure who the nearest northwest side would be for the... Salford will be in the Premier yeah, League. That's Sheffield yeah. United. As, yeah. as Kevin Keegan used to say, take the Pennines away and that's a derby. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that matters, isn't it? <laughs> oh, well, I think this is perfect for half-time in today's podcast. And second, that was a good whistle. I can't whistle or, what's the other thing I can't do? Click my click. fingers. I never used to be able to click, but now I can. That's not me, by the way. <laughs> 
don't know what I'm doing. That's me trying, if anyone's listening. Um, second half of the podcast, we've got to talk about Parade and about Vincent Company, but our halftime teaser is about the great man himself, the departing captain of City. And after the break, I'll be asking you both to name the starting 11 the day Company made his City debut in the Premier League. We'll wow. be back after this short break. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. I'm Rich Fair. I'm de- still joined by... Sai and Ian and before the break we asked them to name the starting 11 the day Vincent Company made his City debut in the Premier League does anybody want to start hazarding some guesses Shea Given uh-uh. no different goalkeeper a keeper more synonymous with City I would say I'll go with Stephen Ireland correct what, in goal yeah <laughs> Stephen Ireland is it's got to be Joe Hart then in goal, isn't it? Joe Hart but in goal. Shea Given might have just been still in goal at that time. Mm. One all then. Mm. I go with uh, Tal Benheim. Correct. Have you looked, just Google? No, that? I haven't, no. I'll go with Joe. No, sadly not. Oh. Caicedo. Um, pa- no. Pablo Zabaleta. No. Uh there's an obvious point. Daniel Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge started up front in that game. Michael Richards. Michael no. Richards started at right back. Uh, Gareth Barry. Sadly not. So you've got another fullback. Um, Mike, Michael Johnson in midfield. Michael Johnson was in midfield. I'm absolutely rinsing you here. There you are. Not yeah. keeping score, but it's, it's quite one sided at the moment, isn't it? It's like the FA Cup final <laughs> over again. This Ian had his chance early on. Yeah. It's time to get away from me here. Um, Michael Ilano. Ball. Michael Ball was there. Elano was there. And you're flying through these. Now there's three left. Three left. What positions are we on? Two defenders and a forward. Two different. Our company played midfield, didn't he? Um, a forward. You said Michael Ball at left back, didn't you? Oh, did you? Did oh, we've made a, a glaring error here. That I mean, one of the players is Vincent Company, who no one said yet. Vincent Company. <laughs> well done, Si. Now we've just got defender and a forward. Defender and a forward. Hmm. The defender went on to Tottenham Hotspur. Kieran Trippier. No. No. Uh, or, or, um, that's him clicking uh, again. Uh, oh, what's he called? <laughs> Trying the, to rub uh, it in. The, 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 the fullback. Yeah. Um, Croatian fullback. Yeah, Croatian fullback. Oh. Uh, 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 we'll give it to you, Ian. Yeah, him. Vedran Chorluka. That's the one. Chorluka. Vedran Chorluka, yeah. And then I believe the forward was Bulgarian. Yeah. Um, Bodjanov. Bodjanov. Does that say Martin Petrov? Was he Bulgarian? Uh, he's a winger, Martin yeah. Petrov. I yeah. can't, that was a forward. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Well, that was yeah. fun, wasn't it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not for me. Unsatisfying. Right, now, plus it's right. Stuff we're now like looking through every starting 11 he's ever played with. So, <laughs> second game. Okay. So, I don't yeah. mind losing that because we won the treble this year. So <laughs> yeah, I'll take that one. Um, so, yeah, it was a shock announcement for you after the FA Cup final. At the 9am on Sunday morning, just as I came in, slightly hungover. Vincent Company leaving Man City. I think but, he timed it right in, the, in that he didn't want to take anything away from everything that was unfolding. You know, he clearly made his mind up before that from his statement. Uh, shocked. Um, 
Not really, because obviously he's had injury problems and the way he walked around the pitch after the Leicester game and cried, which I know he's an emotional guy, it did feel as if an era was coming to an end. Um, sad, very sad, because he is the leader and he has been, as far as I'm concerned, my, my childhood hero was Colin Bell. And you tend to stick with your childhood heroes for the rest of your life, but I've got to say Vincent Company equals equals Colin Bell. Um, so in my mind, uh, he's right up there. So um, uh, absolutely gutted. But he did the mic drop on stage and that's it. He's gone. He's <laughs> what a way to bow out that was. Yeah, so yeah. cool. Uh, Sai, for you, where, where does company rank for you amongst cities? Uh, cities great. He's, he's just, he's he has to be up there. Um, I was speaking to the general secretary of the Sporters Club at the parade, um, Kevin Parker, who was saying that you know the only saving grace for him going was that he hadn't gone to an English club because he was saying that you know they just about held it together with Zabaleta going to West Ham but the thought of company playing against City in a game would have been too much because he has just been the heart and soul of the football club for for so long now and it's you feel like you're doing him a disservice either way because he's been such an amazing player but he's also been such a superb captain on and off the pitch that you know either you're always going to miss something out when you when you say anything nice about him but he what a way to go out and he went out on his own terms and he had a farewell after the Leicester game and a farewell at the Brighton game and a farewell at the FA Cup final and no one knew there were farewells apart from him and he played I think seven of the last eight games started um, was fantastic in them all he's gone out on his own terms which considering the injuries he's had um, just shows what a remarkable person he is one of the most, if not the most treasured possession I have is captain his captain's armband from 2012 after City had just won the league, um, which was amazing. And um, I remember talking to him on the pitch when everybody had gone and thanking him on behalf of all of the supporters who I, I was claiming, you know, saying that they'd all love to be stood one to one now with you on this day, thanking you. And so on their behalf, I'd like to thank you. And uh, uh, he gave me his captain's armband band which I will treasure till the day I die. He did have on the pitch last season, let me wear his, his, his medal when he won the league and uh, it started to walk off without sort of remembering <laughs> that he took it back and I said oh I thought you were giving it me and and I never forget his words which were if we win it again next year you can have my medal then still waiting Vincent still waiting. <laughs> well, this is our call maybe we might have to get that as a social clip and tag him in it and see, yeah. see if you get a package in the post next week who knows. I'm but- not expecting one no can't blame him but uh, for you Ian uh, what's your favourite Vincent Company memory is it that goal against United yeah it might have been that one I mean he himself says it was that goal against Leicester um, which I still can't believe I still can't believe that's gone in no uh, I don't think there's the, I don't want to just remember him for one moment I just want to remember him for the overall contribution and I've been lucky because well I've been lucky in so many ways but as a journalist uh, who was talking to the players regularly until a couple of years ago the number of times I've, I've chatted to Vincent Company, the number of times I've waited for him because he always had an ice bath after games 
games and uh, he was always the last one out of the dressing room and you, I remember one time he was watching some, was it a rugby game I think, me and Stuart were waiting <laughs> probably for an hour and a half after the match finished because he wanted to watch the end of, of England rugby playing or something and then he comes out and you, you sort of, before he appears you, you're slowly but surely getting more and more angry and frustrated that you're having to wait all this time and then the second he walks out he's charmless personified, gives you a fantastic interview full of brilliant quotes and you walk away feeling uplifted. Me as a fan, as much as a journalist, feeling uplifted that this man is the captain of Manchester City. I feel like that way sometimes now when I watch, watch Pep do press conferences. And um, so, so you could never, ever, you know, have anything bad or, uh, you know, anything bad to say about Vincent Company. And um, if it's true that he did the, the speech... Uh, after the defeat at Arsenal in the 2012 season that that sort of turned it all around and um, obviously City went on to win the league that year. Maybe that was the moment, even though I wasn't there, that I will always remember him for. Mm. The obvious question, Si, will be uh, how he's replaced eventually at City. Do you think there's any candidates that that will be targeted from City this summer to try and replace company because as Ian said it's the it's the cliche he's irreplaceable for what he does represent to the club what he does for the community and his whole sort of ethos but uh, in terms of actually playing style how do how does City fill that void at the back yeah it's a funny one because company has never quite seemed to fit exactly what Guardiola wants he's got kind of the aerial ability but he's sort of easily the least comfortable on the ball out of the out of the four they've got um you would certainly expect John Stones to step up and 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 take on more responsibility because he didn't have much of a role in the latter part of the season there's talk as well about Fernandinho moving back um he played center back in a a few games this season I seem to to recall, he's played just about everywhere on the pitch, but he, he does, he would suit that role. But um, I think they will sign a centre back in in summer to to replace Company and possibly Otamendi, and to sort of you know keep this team evolving. They were looking at signing a left back. That was one of the sort of at one point it was sort of second on the list as a key position behind the Fernandinho replacement and they've moved away from that um, so you would expect a, a centre-back will be very high on the list um, because they need to replace company for a body as much as a, a player on the pitch If I was picking somebody to sign I'm not saying City will do this but it would be delict at, uh, at Ajax because you know he's 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 young. Um, he's got that big personality. Anybody that saw him do a speech at the end of the season in front of the Ajax fans, which was on social media and had English subtitles, he has that type of uh, massive personality that you could compare to Vincent Company. I haven't seen enough of him to know if he's 
playing style on a regular basis is as good as his reputation, but certainly based on that reputation and the fact that he is a centre-back and coincidentally he's he's also, you know, European, so he has, and and he's come from that Ajax and Johan Cruyff background, he may well fit the style that that Pep's looking for. So if he's affordable, if if City don't get handed a, you know, a spending ban or whatever other things might come, then, uh, and, and he was willing to come and it might be that since Pep is a, very much a disciple of Johan Cruyff, that that would fit with De Ligt's uh, future, then he would be top of my shopping list. But with the rev- reservation that I'm not an expert on his playing style or I've not watched him week in, week out. And it's all right watching a few seconds on on a you know some reel on YouTube or maybe in one or two games on TV. Um, I always find it hard to judge just how good they are, but he would be the one that feels um, reputationally might be the right man and it I mean City have looked at him so they, there is a chance they could sign him but you I think Barcelona are interested as well and it's always a struggle when Barcelona are interested um, as they showed with Frankie de Jong and that there's also the fact that uh, Mino Raiola is involved in yeah. looking after him and doesn't get on that well with Guardiola I think he called him a dog uh, last season and yeah, Guardiola said he should show more respect to dogs um, so yeah not a great relationship there but that that is the type of player City need to be to be looking at to yeah. move on we shall see and I guess as well the other maybe remit of that question as well is Ian in terms of the actual captaincy um, City like to maybe have that sort of pool of players who can step up and take the armband but do you still feel they need that focal point that person to be the face of the club? Yeah I think so and then to me the obvious candidate of those that are there at the moment is uh, Kevin De Bruyne um, who has that type of uh, although he's quite a humble uh, character he has that um, aura around him and um, and I think he would be a prime candidate and he's also young I mean people will talk about David Silva maybe uh, but so David Silva's coming towards the end of his career hopefully he's got a little bit to go yet but I would say to Kevin De Bruyne you might also make a case for Bernardo Silva um, because obviously he's very very eloquent very well spoken but to me it feels like De Bruyne is the, is the you know just, just looking from the outside is the leader in that yeah, he gets the game by a scruff yeah. of the neck yeah. and have a get angry can't he speak to the referees he's yeah he'd sort of be the one I'd, I'd feel was an actual successor and, and without being biased through our media lens I think it is important that the captain speaks up regularly yeah. and De Bruyne is someone who does that whereas Silver is sort of good as he is on the pitch and he is sort of one of the experienced figures in the dressing room you're not going to find him talking up you're talking about David City. or Bernardo here uh, David Bernardo right, yeah. Bernardo speaks more than anyone else I think is the the nicest one going but but De Bruyne will speak and as forthright view he's got the same sort of authority hasn't you he? know he's, he's Belgian like company as well and they both got that sort of straight talking um, not afraid to to speak their mind whether it's necessarily the right thing to do from a PR perspective or whatever they do it and they get more respect for it um, so from that perspective I think De Bruyne would suit as captain we'll see how that progresses over the next few weeks and finally Ian 
the uh, title parade on Monday night. How did you enjoy that one? You're getting used to these end of season parades. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was uh, out and about talking to fans and vlogging like I do. I was down at the start near the town hall um, and then legged it up to the uh, the other end where they, they arrived later on for the speeches. It was nice to see City women in that parade as well because yeah. obviously they won two trophies and they were celebrated on stage as well. Um, the speeches, I, I had reports from people who were in the crowd who said they couldn't hear as well as they uh, wanted to. So the, I, I wondered why sometimes the crowd were a little bit quiet and weren't reacting quite as instinctively. When we, I could hear clearly what was being said, but sometimes the crowd didn't react at all. And I thought, why is this? You know, why are they so quiet? But then I got quite a lot of report from people who were even just in the middle of that crowd, not necessarily the back, who said, couldn't understand a word that was being said. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing to hear. Um, personally, I... I, th- I thought there were times when on stage it it dragged a bit and it felt a little bit uncomfortable. Perhaps they could have done that slightly better. But the fact that everybody was there in the sunshine, perhaps the fact that you know it was he had those trophies. Maybe in the end, none of that mattered because you were there to celebrate and and it was just glorious. As, as if somebody looking down from above said, "You know what? You can have a lovely, sunny, warm shirt sleeve day. Everybody can enjoy it." And, and, and put it on and um, and it was great I thought that the setting last year when it was down at the Beetham Tower end, <laughs> end gave more people more of a chance to have a clear view as well um, there'll be reasons why they had it at the other end this year which may have been to do with the council or whatever um, but I felt it, it, it suited it better last season and maybe then because the people who were telling me this this year said they had no problem hearing it last year so maybe the acoustics were better down there as well but overall I, I don't want to sound negative it was just uh, it was just great to be able to be out in the sunshine and celebrate the, the perfect season and as well so I guess as Ian touched upon before there was sort of a sense of colloquialism about the players seemed to be really enjoying themselves and just yeah they did see a real insight into just them having a laugh and just yeah you don't often see the players sort of after having partaking in alcohol so uh, it was quite fun and Pep certainly seemed to enjoy himself all through the night and onwards to the after party and things like that it, it was just nice because it, it's it's been an a heavy season it's been heavy going and as the title race has intensified it feels like it's got a lot more kind of toxic online and even after City winning the league in the FA Cup there's been a lot of sort of angry um, sort of responses and City haven't been as happy as they might have been having won the league or the treble or whatever so it was just nice to see so many people turning out enjoying themselves enjoying the good times that they've experienced over the last 12 months and enjoying the team um the team enjoying themselves without any kind of wider thoughts for anything else that that might be going on or any anyone saying yeah but he didn't win the champions league or or anything like that it was just it was a celebration and like ian said it was uh he couldn't have asked for a better sort of setting with the sun so it was, yeah, it was nice. A nice way and to round off the season. There was a big advert up for uh, Spanish beer yeah. in Barcelona. And you thought, 
I think that happened by accident, didn't it? Because <laughs> no. there's such a flavour of, of Barcelona in what City do now, and uh, the weather even obliged on the day to make it perfect. Well, I thought it was nice for Pep to actually be on the bus because he could have just waved from his apartment. It was, <laughs> it was that close to it. I know there was a big Why deal about it. or something. <laughs> he got a lift on by one of the BBC camera people afterwards, and you think, well, it can't have been more than about 15 no, yards. No, <laughs> lazy. Some would say. We won't go into that. Uh, finally, Ian, what's been your what what are your what will your memory of the season be? How would you sum it up in? Uh, just just absolutely amazing football to me. There's no doubt that Bernardo Silva um, was the player of the year uh, right from the word go. Um, I've at times sat there and watched him, and it took my breath away. And I found myself involuntarily saying, "Wow!" and and how did he do that? Um, and I think he can get better um, and I think he can be, uh, as some people have suggested, a proper Ballon d'Or candidate. I think he's that good um, and, and he just seems like a great person as well. So that he'll, his performances will stand out in my mind. Um, the, the tension of the, the title race, the, 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 the uh, unfortunately the toxicity with the Liverpool fans will, will always be in mind from this season. But overall, I just want to remember the fact that it was just awe-inspiring, wonderful football. Apart from maybe just last two or three games where it was a bit more pragmatic, but generally speaking, it was just glorious to watch. And I keep saying this, and I hope I'm saying it for many years to come, but I do wonder when this era will end and whether, because it cannot surely be sustained forever. We've seen other eras with Liverpool and United and whatnot, and... You know, I'd like, like to think this will continue on for a while yet, but I already am fearing when, when this era ends because it's just amazing to watch. Thank you for that, Ian. I guess the message is just enjoy it while you can. Go with the highs. There's been many more lows as a City fan. Just take it as for The next can. two or three months while uh, while I'm going on an holiday and in time family, I'm, I don't want to think about next season at all. I just, just want enjoy to... This. Just, just revel and, and enjoy. I can't wait for the DVD to come out, the treble DVD or the, the formidable formidables DVD, and then I can relive it again without any of that stress. That sounds like a good plan to us all. Ian, Si, thank you very much for joining us today on Talking City. We'll be back, who knows when, later in the week, maybe next week we'll be back. Depends on how the transfers all sort of play out and what happens with FFP and that. But please do subscribe. All our latest episodes will drop into your podcast feed. Thank you once again to Ian and Si. Please leave a like, subscribe if you haven't already and join us next time on the Talking City podcast.